Today's passage is Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, in the town of David a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread word concerning what had been told them about the child, and all those who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all the things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Thank you very much, uh, Scott. We're examining, really, a mini-story embedded within the bigger Christmas story uh, today. And to set this up, I want to talk about birthdays for a second. Uh, don't we all love birthdays, and your own birthday in particular? And I, I love my birthday. It's great. Usually there's steak involved and copious amounts of bacon. But uh, what is a birthday? Really, it's basically uh, our, one of our favorite days of the year where your family and friends, maybe your coworkers, well, they celebrate you. They celebrate your life. They celebrate and acknowledge your existence, that you're alive, that you're drawing in oxygen, and that you matter. In fact, they may host a, a party or a meal or someone gets a cake together in your honor, and they may even give you presents or gifts, which are lovely. And historically, there have been some massive, huge-scale birthday parties and celebrations that are just amazing. And, and for example, Malcolm Forbes, he is the founder of Forbes magazine. He has since passed on, but when he turned 70 years old in 1987, um, he had all kinds of money to spend. And for his 70th birthday, here's what Forbes does. He flies out a mere 1,000 of his friends from North America to fly over to his palace in Morocco, uh, all expenses paid. That's not a bad uh, deal, you might say. And at his party, at his birthday party, he treats his guests to just a mere fireworks show, okay, just, you know, no big deal. And then he barbecues heaps and heaps of lamb for all to enjoy, sort of going Old Testament, sacrificing all those lambs and sheep. And, and his honorary guest and his honorary date for his 70th birthday celebration was none other than the most famous actress at the time, Elizabeth Taylor. And... That's a party. That's a big celebration uh, for yourself, okay? Yeah, he was the center of attention, and why not, I suppose? Not really. Anyhow, not to be outdone, though. There's an actually uh, an even bigger birthday celebration more recently. You may recall the 90th uh, birthday of Queen Elizabeth, and 90 years young is when they, we had a big celebration in the UK. And, and part of the, the massive celebrations undertaken in her honor was a gala concert performed by no less than 900 horses. You see, she loves horses. She's a horse person, so there was all these horses, and then 1,500 performers along with the 900 horses, and then you had countless British actors and actresses, and, and then European royalty. I mean, heck, even Prince Charles decided to show up for his mom's 90th birthday, Miracle of Miracles. And my point is, 
Even more than these elaborate, extravagant birthday celebrations by Forbes and for the Queen, there was a much more, a much greater, more astounding, a brighter, more unexpected kind of birthday celebration for someone that was much more important than Forbes or the Queen. And at this celebration was a far greater, far more impressive light show going on, far more impressive fireworks show, if you will, than you can even imagine. And the place where this light show happened and this birthday celebration occurred is rather different and rather shocking as well. And here's what I hope that you you see. When you see this celebration that we see in Scripture in Luke chapter 2, and then you see to whom these words from these certain important people, these words came out of and out of their mouths, it will hopefully give you a fresh appreciation uh, for Christmas. What we want to do here is sort of extinguish that that Christmas negativity within and replace it from the Holy Spirit with Christmas joy. That is my goal for you and I today. So with that, the sermon title for today is this. Christmas, it is good news of great joy for all people. You can summarize Christmas with that one sentence, and that's straight out of the Bible. It is great news of great joy for all people and what I want to do is quickly retell this fascinating sub-story embedded within the big Christmas story that Scott read. We're talking about this, this, this angel choir and these shepherds, and let us not forget the sheep. How can we forget about the sheep, all right? And here's what happens that first Christmas night 2,000 years ago. This is not far from where Jesus was recently born in Bethlehem, in a Bethlehem stable, most likely a cave where animals hung out. This was not a clean, sanitary, good-smelling place. To This is where Mary and Joseph, his parents, brought Jesus into the world. And then not far from that cave, we find some shepherds in a field tending to their sheep. And they're doing this at nighttime. And just so you know, there's not one celebrity to be found amongst this group of shepherds. There's no Liz Taylor, there's no queen, there's no king. Nothing but these lowly shepherds, these blue-collar guys, uh, these are seen as nobodies in the eyes of the world at the time. But my question is, were these guys nobodies in God's eyes? They were not nobodies in God's eyes, clearly not, and we will examine and look at their status a little later. And these shepherds, again, they do not smell good. They smell a lot like sheep. Sheep are not good-smelling creatures. And they're watching over their flocks. They're preventing these, these wild, any wild animals from attacking their sheep and having a free meal. Or these sheep, you know, sheep are not the smartest creatures. I mean, I've talked about this previously. They're one of the most unintelligent mammals around. And so you have to look after these things because they'll just sort of run off into nowhere and hurt themselves. Um, and in the midst of them looking after these sheep, it happens. It happens. An angel of the Lord appears to them right in front of their faces. And by the way, this is no average, regular kind of angel here. We have an angel of the Lord. That distinguishes it from other angels. And what that means is, being an angel of the Lord, is that it's a representative of God Himself in that moment. This angel has been sent by God Himself, come right out of the very presence of God, and then come to earth to convey a particular message to these guys. I don't know if you quite are catching how important this is and how meaningful this is, this would be like, not quite, but imagine Justin Trudeau, okay, he's he's 
fairly important in most people's eyes. He's the Prime Minister of Canada. This would be like Justin sending his highest official, I don't know whether that's Gerald Butts or someone else, all the way from Ottawa, flying them to here, to Cloverdale, to Surrey, to Clayton Heights, to give you a hugely important message in person. Now imagine you might be a worker at McDonald's. You might be a blueberry picker in the fields. That might be your job. You might be a scrubber of toilets. And here you are receiving this message straight from Justin Trudeau. And you are the very person that he wants to talk to. Well, that's kind of what's happening in this story with this angel of the Lord speaking with these lowly shepherds. And if God wants to send His angel to speak to to you as a lowly shepherd, how does that make you feel in that moment? Pretty amazing. I matter that much to God? I mean, I'm just a shepherd. I don't smell good. I don't look good. I got no future. I got no civil rights, really. God wants to speak to me. The angel of the Lord appears here. And the shepherds, once this angel shows up in all the glory of God, and this angel has basically instantly turned midnight into midday. He's turned midnight into midday, displaying the glory of God. This is LED lights everywhere. It's eye-wincing. It's just amazing. Uh, Well, the shepherds at that moment, they're freaked out, obviously, filled with fear, filled with dread. They're like, we're going to die. Like, what's going on here? We're not hopeful about our existence in this moment. And so the angel sees that, and the angel responds, and I paraphrase, guys, don't be afraid. I am here to bring you guys good news of great joy for all people. Let's drill down on that. What exactly is this good news of great joy for all people? Well, here it is. The angel moves on. He's got more things to say. And he says, and I paraphrase, today a Savior has been born And He's not just a Savior. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. Meaning, He's the anointed One of God, selected by God Himself, the Chosen One. In addition, this baby is the Lord Himself. And what that is, is code speak for, this is God. God has been born. He has been born as a baby. Well, this is the best news that these shepherds have ever heard. This is the best news that the entire world has ever heard bar none. God has come to save and to rescue us. So what happens next in the story? Well, something even more breathtaking occurs. Heaven gets emptied of angels, and earth gets filled with those heavenly angels. Heaven empties, earth fills up with thousands and thousands and thousands of angels. This is how, and this proves how massive and how great and mind-blowing the good news that God has arrived is. That heaven would be emptied on that first Christmas night to make this announcement about the Savior Lord baby. And these thousands upon thousands of angels, they launch into a worship song, kind of like how we launched into worship songs this morning. And they were saying, glory to God in the highest. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. And long story short, the angels, they fill up heaven again. They go back to heaven. The shepherds, they make a beeline for where Jesus, the baby boy Jesus, the Savior and the Lord is in most likely that cave where the animals are. And the shepherds, they show up and they they tell Mary and Joseph what they had seen. Mary treasures these things in her heart. The shepherds then go back to work. And as they're going back to work, they're praising God for all that they've seen. By the way, 
Do you ever praise God on your way to work? That's a good thing to do. Gets your mindset focused in a positive way onto God and His purposes for you in your workplace. That's just an aside. I'm not suggesting you show up to work and start singing a worship song out loud in front of everybody. Okay, elf-like, you know, like the elf the movie. Don't do that. Pray inside. Pray in your, your heart. Now, okay, let's move on. There are three significant truths that we can sort of glean uh, from this passage uh, about Christmas. And here's the first significant truth. It's simply this. Christmas is about good news. If you're following along, there's a sermon insert in your bulletin, a couple of blanks there to fill in. Helps me stay engaged, and I think it would help you stay engaged as well. Christmas is about good news. That's what it's about. Now, for a lot of people, this might be you, Christmas tends to be more of a depressing sort of thing, and there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, December 1 arrives, and all through December, you're just in the ditch emotionally and spiritually. You feel like, you know, you, you get the Grinch's pain. You and the Grinch, you're soulmates, or Scrooge and you are soulmates. But seriously, this may be happening, the sense of depression and anxiety and negative emotions are occurring because Christmas kind of conjures up bad memories from the past, family conflict and drunkenness and violence perhaps that occurred many years ago, or you lost a loved one in and around Christmas, or your loved one isn't with you this Christmas, uh, or maybe you're just filled with stress and anxiety because you got this long list of gifts to buy and purchase for your family members, and there's pressure to get the right gifts, there's pressure to decorate your home on the inside, then there's pressure to decorate your home on the outside just the right way because everyone expects you to jump through all these Christmas hoops to make them happy, and it's driving you nuts. Pressure at Christmas is real for you. And in the midst of your depression and perhaps stress and Christmas anxiety, it is very easy and very possible to miss the whole point of the season, to miss the whole point that Christmas is all about good news of great joy for all people. That's what the angels sang about. This is for everybody. Now, just what is this good news according to the angel choir? Well, they move on. They say it's about peace, peace on earth amongst whom, among those with whom God is pleased. In other words, the good news is peace with God for you and for me is available. It is there. It's there for the taking. You no longer have to be on the outs with God. You and God no longer have to be like this anymore. You no longer have to live in a place of spiritual misery and depression and beating yourself up all the time, condemning yourself for the sins that you commit, and then beating yourself up for the the, the heap and the mound of sins that you've accumulated over the years of your life and just feeling terrible about your past and wrongly assuming that God won't even look your direction, let alone forgive you of any of those sins. No, no, no. He will look at you. He is trying to get your attention with sending His Son. And He's saying through the angel, peace with God is freely available to you because Jesus came. The Savior Lord, baby, came to earth on that first Christmas day for you, and he came for me. And he is the Prince of Peace. He is the author of peace. He wrote about peace. He knows all about it. He is all about peace itself. John says this about the words of Jesus. These words came out of the mouth of the Prince of Peace in John 14, 27, uh, and it says, peace I, live with, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Do you see it? Jesus leaves you with peace, 
And Jesus gives you peace. He's the giver of peace. He's the source of peace so that your heart, your inner world no longer needs to be troubled nor afraid. Isn't that good? That's good news. Now, yes, here's here's the reality, though. Until you trust in Christ, until you repent of your sins, until you're baptized and you follow Christ as Lord and boss of your life, until that moment happens, the Bible's very clear, you are at war with God. You're at odds with God. You are isolated and separated from God. You're at war with the maker of the universe. You don't want to be in that place. And what's happening is, You are living a life of defiance towards God, not listening to God, not obeying God, not living your life according to how God designed your life to be lived. And so therefore, you're living your own life by your own set of rules. But then you see the gospel, and you understand clearly and truly that, you know what, my sins killed Jesus. Jesus came as that little baby boy, and then he grew into a man, and then Jesus lived your perfect life and mine as our perfect representative. You and I could not live perfect lives, breaking commandments like crazy. Well, then at the end of his life, Jesus died on the cross. Why? He, did, he died on the cross for your sins. Your sins and mine were heaped onto Jesus on that cross, even though he himself never once sinned. And our collective sins killed Jesus. And out of his great love for you, Jesus chose to die on that cross for your sins in your place. Jesus chose. It was his own choice. He took responsibility for your sins and mine, and then he died for those sins. He paid the price of death for those sins. He was forsaken and judged and condemned by God in our place, and he died for our sins. Three days later, what happens? Jesus rises from the dead, and in so doing, he obliterates and defeats Satan's sin and death forever. And so now, when you choose to respond to Jesus, when you choose to repent of your sins with regret, remorse that my sins killed Jesus, you understand that. When you choose to believe the gospel, you believe that Jesus lived your life, died your death, and rose again. And when you are baptized, as Jesus commands, are you still at war? Are you still isolated from God at that moment? Are you still at odds with God at that moment? You are not, because you've responded to God. You've trusted in Jesus. War with God is done. There's a peace treaty now. You're at peace with God, peace with the Prince of Peace. Because Jesus came, he earned salvation for you. Jesus solved your sin problem as your Savior. He saved you from you. He saved me from me. And and what Jesus did when he came to earth as the God-man, the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Peace snapped the spear of war over his knee. He snapped the spear of war over his knee. And one day, the Prince of Peace is coming back again in the future. And at that moment, on that day, he will usher in the new heavens and the new earth. And this is where all who trust in him will enjoy his presence, enjoy being with his people, and you have believed the good news. And in the new heavens and the new earth, you will enjoy millions and billions and trillions of years of peace with God. No more war, no more conflict. None of, that, none of that stuff, thanks to our Prince of Peace. So let me say to you, simply, if you desire peace with God today, if you desire peace that Jesus gives and is offering you freely, let's have a conversation. Talk to me after the service. Talk to a trusted Christian friend. Do not delay this decision. It is important in every way. 
Let us move on to the second significant truth we learned from this passage. Simply this, Christmas is about great joy. Christmas is about great joy. We see this in verse 10. The angel says to the shepherd, don't fear because I'm, I'm bringing you right here, right now, good news of great joy. Great joy is what Christmas, the arrival of the Savior, Jesus is all about. And one reason for our great joy is that God became a human. God took on flesh, like he took on sort of human clothes, if you will, all right? This is called the doctrine of the incarnation. Have you heard of the incarnation before? Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb, that was Mary, and he developed in his mother's womb and grew, and finally he was born on that first Christmas night, and he was born as fully God and fully human. Jesus pre-existed his, earth, his human birth, by the way. He's always been. There's been no beginning of, for Jesus, but it was the beginning of, his, of him being fully God and fully human when he was born. And think about this. The infant was infinite. The infant was infinite. This tiny little baby is also the creator of the universe. That is amazing. That is amazing. And in order for Jesus to be incarnated for us, taking on human flesh, this required the ultimate demotion. Have you ever been demoted in your workplace or in a job? There's nothing more deflating or depressing than that. You might recall the reality TV show, Undercover Boss. Is this show still on the air? I don't know. Uh, but I remember watching it a few years ago. And the whole idea of Undercover Boss is to get the CEO to go undercover, wear a disguise perhaps, and then basically work the, 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 the most disgusting job in the company, the lowliest job in the entire business. You know. And so what this means is the CEO, he or she, they're powerfully leading this you know, multi-million or multi-billion uh, company, and, and you know, they're sort of the one that everyone looks to for decision-making and power and all the rest. Well, he or she goes from that position of power to you know, scrubbing toilets and sweeping the floors and doing just the worst jobs. And when you watch the show and you see this high-level CEO going from basically top to bottom like that, you kind of think, that is impressive. That takes some humility to, to do that. You know, good for her, good for him uh, to take that temporary demotion. That must have been very difficult for them, right? Well, let me tell you, that doesn't hold a candle, not even close to the kind of demotion that Jesus, as God, took for you and I when he left heaven to save us. You see, at the very beginning, we sinned against God in Genesis chapter 3. Our first parents, Adam and Eve, did that. They rebelled against God. They desired to become gods themselves. And in that moment, God could have just said, rightfully so, I'm done with these people. Like, they're so rebellious and they desire my job, my role, my godness. They want that. And I'm just done with these people. They're, they're just annoying and rebellious. And he could have done that. But instead, no, 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 he didn't do that. He did not do that. Thanks be to God. And he chose to set in motion his ultimate rescue plan. And the way that he set, began this rescue plan is he sent his own son, Jesus, God the Son, to earth on that first Christmas day, God put flesh on to be our perfect human representative, perfectly living our perfect life for us in our place, and then being our perfect sacrifice on the cross, dying for our sins, even though he himself never sinned, but he did that in our place as our perfect sacrifice. In addition, Jesus became 
fully man as well as fully God to relate to the human experience that we all uh, experience every day. And here's where the, the joy piece kind of fits into this story. Imagine this. Now, let me tell you a story. Imagine this story. Two nations living side by side, sharing the same border, are not getting along. It could be said that this might be kind of like Canada and the United States, but we won't name these nations, okay? And they live right next door to each other. And actually, they're, they're at war with each other. They hate each other. But you see, one nation out of the two is much stronger than the other nation. And clearly, the weaker nation, they, need, they know that they need help. They need rescue. Uh, the future is not looking good, and it's just a matter of time until the larger nation squashes the little nation here. So they're looking for some sort of out here. Well, as it turns out, something amazing happens, something very unexpected. No one could have seen this coming. The prince of the king of the stronger nation marries the princess from the weaker nation. And so these two nations are at odds. They're in conflict. But you see, because the prince from the, the, enemy, uh, the, prince from the stronger nation takes the enemy princess from the weaker nation to be his bride, to be his wife, and to begin that relationship together, are these two nations at war any longer? They are not. They are not fighting anymore. Why is that? Because the prince came. He came to the enemy nation to marry the princess from the other nation. The, the prince reached out. He reached out to the princess from the enemy nation, and now these two warring nations, they are at peace. They are reconciled. They are restored. They can again become prosperous. And so it is for us when our prince, our God, took on human flesh on that first Christmas day. And I want you to hear this quote from Charles Spurgeon. This is really, really inspiring stuff. He says this about the incarnation. If God thus takes upon himself human nature, then manhood is not abandoned nor given up as hopeless. If God condescends to be so intimately allied with manhood, he intends to deliver man and to bless him. Incarnation prophesies salvation. Incarnation prophesies salvation. Here's what God did. He takes on flesh, he became Jesus, and he did so to save us, to bless us, to intimately connect with us, to have a relationship with us, to deliver us. Therefore, we are not hopeless. God has not given up on you. He has not given up on me, even though he had every right to give up on us. We are in. We are not out if we trust in Jesus. Therefore, there is great joy that should erupt. Remember the thousands and thousands of angels. They're joyfully singing their guts out. And they're emptying heaven to fill up earth to sing worship songs to God on that first Christmas night. Why? Because they recognize God came. God had just arrived to set in motion His rescue plan for you and I. And my point is, if the birth of Jesus was so massively celebrated by thousands and thousands of angels... Why isn't Christmas so filled with joy by us? If the birth of Jesus literally brought heaven down to earth, why should our joyful singing at Christmas not fill up heaven in response? See, it's, it's easy, too easy to miss the point of Christmas. Christmas is about great joy. That's what it's about. It's not about the gifts. It's not about the lights. It's not about the tree. Those are nice things but it's, it's primarily about Jesus. 
and it's designed to give you great joy. And uh, you might be here, and you're just like, where do I get the joy? I need joy, okay? I don't have any. I don't know where to get that from. I'm saying, ask the Holy Spirit. It is one of the fruit of the Spirit. Joy is there for the taking. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you joy this Christmas season. And ask sincerely. Pour out your heart to him if you're in short supply of it, and he will provide it. Let us move on to the final significant truth we learn from this passage. It is this. Christmas is all about good news of great joy for all people. For all people. I want to talk about these shepherds for a second and examine sort of their status in that society. In that day and age in Palestine, shepherds were really at the bottom of the social ladder. Uh, shepherds were, were hated and, and disrespected, um, and, and basically they were lumped together with tax collectors. No one liked the tax collectors. They were liars and cheats typically, and the, uh, the dung sweepers, okay? So there's all kinds of livestock and, and, and creatures and animals going through the streets, and so there was people that needed to you know, sweep that stuff away. Well, shepherds were lumped in with, with those guys and the tax collectors. And, and so the amazing thing is, is that even if a shepherd saw a, a crime happen and somebody wanted to bring in this shepherd to testify in a court of law, that could not happen because shepherds had no civil rights. They were not recognized by the courts as having any credibility at all. All right, so they were despised in everyday life, wrongly so. They were really seen as third or second or third class citizens, all right? And it's just amazing. And so they, they had a bad, you, you had a bad reputation as a shepherd, even though you may have not done anything to earn that bad reputation. I mean, you're really getting the shaft as a chef, shepherd. So let me ask you this. If they are that lowly, why in the world does God dispatch not just one, not just a few dozen, not just a few hundred, but thousands and thousands of angels to make this good news announcement to these lowly, shady shepherds. Why? I mean, why didn't he send them to King Herod or to Caesar or maybe to the great high priest or to a celebrity or a Justin Bieber or a, a Kanye West or a Justin Trudeau? Why? why? Because, you see, the good news of great joy was for who? It was for all people. So no matter your background, no matter your job, no matter your personal history, no matter the baggage that you carry and carry on, no matter your race, no matter how bad you smell, no matter how bad you look, Jesus is for you. You matter that much to Him. He is for any and all who will turn to Him with faith and trust and believe in Him. It's open to anyone. And so because the good news message of Christmas is for all people, then let us do what the shepherds did that first Christmas night. If you look at the text in verses 17 and 18, what did these shepherds do in response to these angels and going to see Jesus, baby Jesus, in the, in the manger? Well, after that, they were sent out. They went out. And what they did was they shared the very words about Jesus that were shared with them. And so they spread the word about Jesus. That's what they did. It was that easy. I mean, they couldn't help but spread the word, right? It had just happened. And these lowly shepherds spread the word about Jesus and the good news so well and so effectively because it says that all who heard them were filled with wonder. Imagine sharing about Jesus to a, a coworker who was not yet a Christian and the way that you're talking about Jesus in that moment, they're actually filled with wonder. They're filled with wonder because you're talking about the greatest person in history. 
and there's something about the way you're communicating. It's just natural. And you can't sort of keep this within. You've got to share about Christ and, and the difference he's making in your life and the change he's bringing about in your life. And now they're filled with wonder. Can you imagine that happening? It can happen. It can happen through you. They were excited about Christ. Why are we not more excited about Christ and sharing this message? And so I just want you to consider as I bring this message in uh, for a landing. I want you to think about, seriously, making this a regular spiritual discipline. Praying for lost family members. Praying for lost co-workers. Praying for friends who are not yet Christians. Who need Jesus. Who need hope. Who need a new future. And we need to be praying for them. Ask the Holy Spirit to open up their hearts to the gospel. But also ask God the Holy Spirit to open up conversational doors for you. Open the way. Lead me. You know, Prepare the way ahead so that I have opportunities to speak winsomely and courageously and boldly and lovingly about Christ. This is why we are not yet in heaven, Christians. I'm speaking to you. We are not yet in heaven in large part because we have a mission to undertake. We have a gospel to take to lost people like the shepherds took to lost people in their time and in their age. We have no idea all the blessings that God has given us through Christ. I mean, it's just mind-blowing. And I'm praying that today you get a bit of a glimpse that might lead you to pray more intently for lost people. It might lead you to take more risks for sharing the gospel wherever you are, in your workplace, in your home, wherever, on your street. Let us pray. God, uh, thank you for this reminder for myself as we examine Luke chapter 2 and the story about the shepherds and and I confess, I, I often get depressed at this time of year, and I don't like it, and I'm, in fact, many times bored of the Christmas season because it keeps happening every year. Uh, forgive me. And uh, this has been helpful uh, for me to look at this and to be inspired again as far as what the meaning of Christmas is. And it's about you coming to save us from ourselves. It's for all people. And it's, filled, it's a message of great joy. Help us to grasp at least a little bit about how good it is to be known by you, how good it is to be loved by you, how good it is to trust in you, how good it is to receive all the blessings that we don't deserve just by trusting in you, our Savior and Lord Jesus. As we move towards taking the Lord's Supper, I pray that it will be a time of renewal, a time of confession of sin and examining ourselves, a time of just changing our perspective on what Christmas is. Lord, we love you and we praise you for not giving up on us. You had every right to. Thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness through Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for laying down your life for us. We owe you everything and we love you. In Christ's name, amen.